Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by my good friend, per usual, our senior draft analyst, and just good guy all around, Ryan Kearney. Ryan, what is up, my guy? How are you doing? I'm doing good, Eric. Glad to be back talking draft as we did last week. Went over some receivers. It was a lot of fun. Back with some DBs today. Looking forward to it, man. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be fun indeed. Lots to talk about with uh, the corners in this class. Obviously, you believe this is one of the deepest position groups in the draft. But I've got to start with, let's just get this beef out of the way right now. I think you'll know what it is pretty quickly. I'm looking at PFF's top 10 corners. And there's no Clark Phillips. And I looked at a three-round mock draft the other day. And there was no Clark Phillips. What the hell is you guys' problem? This, like, he was one of PFF's highest-graded corners just in general over his entire college career and now the draft community is just entirely turning their back on clark phillips the third like what are you guys doing seems like a massive miss to be this low on it yeah i mean you you turn on the tape with clark phillips and it's pretty good you you like what you see in terms of his ability to track the ball whether it's turning it into interceptions or pass breakups you know, it tends to be a you know, fairly physical player as well. But I think where Clark Phillips falls short is just in the measurables. Uh, you know, standing five foot nine, 184 pounds, you know, one of the uh, you know, smaller corners uh in this draft, you know, small arms uh, as well, didn't, you know, jump off the tape in terms of the vertical. So you, you question kind of the athleticism, which, you know, a lot of times can be offset when you have really good tape, which Clark Phillips certainly does uh during his time at Utah. But I think when you specifically look at corners cornerbacks you know it is a a very important position to be having dynamic athletes out there you know you can oftentimes see corners in the NFL that can't match up in terms of the speed or the athleticism you know those are the ones that are going to get beat on the 50-50 jump balls or deep downfield that can really kind of be the difference uh, in terms of uh, you know stopping a deep being deep pass attack for example and you know I think a guy like Phillips could excel in you know a slot cornerback role which you know is not necessarily something we saw a ton of him do at Utah but I think he certainly has a a strong ability to read and react and identify you know what's going on what offenses are trying to do so uh, I like Phillips overall as a prospect as I said think he has really good tape you know forced turnovers had a big three interception game this year against Oregon State that really kind of you know put himself in you know kind of that first round conversation and then uh, you know where he came up short a little bit was was in some of those measurables in terms of his height weight speed Uh, you know at corner I think that might ultimately be one of the most important uh, positions to have that kind of height weight speed um you know which phillips unfortunately lacks but um nothing against what what he can do on the field you know really really impressive player and obviously was a team captain for a couple of years at utah as well i just feel disrespected you know i just he's your guy you know it, it's just like no one no one respects utah i mean two pack 12 three basically back to back pack 12 championships at this point rose bowl appearances like we're just out here being consistent, getting like basically 10 wins every year and not even a shred of respect. PFF can't even put him as the 10th best cornerback in this draft class, which I will admit you don't have him that low, but it it's just absolutely 
disgusting to me that PFF did that. They clearly do not know what they're talking about. And that's why you're here, Ryan. Ryan, better than PFF confirmed. I, I guess so. I like PFF too. Sometimes I'm a little off in terms of their rankings. You know, obviously they're very kind of grade heavy. That's a big thing with PFF. And, you know, a lot of times people have, you know, different definitions in terms of and feelings on, on the PFF grades. You know, I think they have a lot of good advanced stats and analytics that you can look at uh, and DBs in terms of, you know, yards allowed per route run against or uh, times targeted. But, um, you know, sometimes they have got some guys that, you know, don't necessarily rack up well. And I bet the measurables is kind of what did it for him on Phillips, uh, even though he's got some really good tape. Yeah, I guess I'll just call them lazy. Yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna label PFF as lazy, and uh, just attribute watching instead of tape grinding. You know, but but you grind the tape, Ryan. So tell me, what what defines this cornerback class? Because I'll I'll be honest, cornerbacks are usually the group of players that I like fall for what draft analysts say the hardest like if you come on here today and you tell me one of these guys is going to be like a slam dunk all pro I'm gonna preach that guy all draft season I'll preach him when I see him on my on the rosters when I start doing roster previews in the summer I'll be like oh man that's gonna be a great secondary great player but the truth is it feels like it's really hard to translate the guy that I always go back to, and I'll bring this up every year we do a cornerback show, is Jeff Okuda. Like everybody told me, DJ told Daniel Jeremiah told me, you told me, everybody told me this guy's a slam dunk all pro for the next 10 years. He is going to be a no doubt top five cornerback in the NFL. And what ended up happening? Some injuries, but also he's just never been that good at corner. And now the Detroit Lions are kind of moving on from him. He's almost benched at this point. He's kind of a second stringer. Why is it so hard to evaluate the cornerback position? And do you think, how how confident do you feel on your reads on some of these guys this year? Because sometimes people come out and they say, this guy's going to be a slam dunk all pro like Sauce Gardner last year. And they're totally right. So how do you feel about this year's cornerback class? And you know, do you think that you have guys that you'll stump for that are going to turn into day one contributors? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot there, Eric. But yeah, yeah I, I guess I, I'll just on. say like first what you said, I was a little bit lower on Jeff Okuda than others. I didn't think he should have gone as high as third overall. I did have him as a, you know, good enough to be a first round player. Didn't love uh, the kind of production that we saw from Okuda. So I think that kind of hints at the nature of why it is so hard to evaluate corners. Cause a lot of times we could be basing, you know, this corner is good or not based on the difference between three or four, you know, big time interceptions. You know, I look at the top of this class, a guy like Keely Ringo, for example, from Georgia, a very kind of polarizing figure in this draft. Uh, you know, he's got kind of that pure height, weight, speed, athleticism that you can project well the next level, but you can also turn on the tape and see times where he gets beat for big plays down the field, uh, allowed 13 catches of over 15 yards just last year alone. Obviously, that's a big red.
red flag. But then at the same time, there was the national title game where, again, big spotlight, Keely Ringo. You see him going up against Quinton Johnston, who we touched on last week, one of my favorite receivers in this draft. Shut him down, only one catch for three yards. So it's kind of just an up and down position. It's hard to kind of evaluate. And, you know, when when you look at, say, the flip side, you look at the receivers, you know, a lot of times you can see them get involved, you know, with a number of catches, a number of yards, a number uh, of touchdowns. But on the defensive side, it's a little bit harder to kind of track and measure your impact. Is it that you're shutting down one side of the field? You're not even getting targeted. Teams are, are giving you kind of that respect that we're not even going to kind of throw at you. Uh, or is it that, you know, the, the play just wasn't necessarily going your way. You didn't have as much opportunity to make plays. So uh, it, it's a challenging position to uh, to analyze for sure. But I, I think this draft gives you kind of all sorts of different flavors and what you're kind of looking for in corners. You have got a little bit of a smaller, quick read and react type players like we just talked about in a Clark Phillips or a Trivius Hodges Tomlinson who uh, won the, the uh, Jim Thorpe Award for the top DB last year. You know, smaller read and react players that maybe are more impactful in terms of their ability in the box as a nickel corner, which obviously has been a, a big ad in NFL defenses the last few years. Uh, a lot more, you know, formations where you've got five defensive backs on the field uh, rather than the traditional four, which we had in football, uh, you know, for a long time. And then you have still in this draft, you're, you know, big, over six foot tall, over 200 pound corners that can run sub 440s and project really well at the next level, uh, you know, to continue to shut down, uh, you know, wide receivers. But uh, there's just a lot of questions, you know, it, it's hard to kind of evaluate, you know, sometimes your DB, you're kind of only as good as some of those top opposing receivers you go up against, uh, you know, in your own conference. So it's a really challenging position to project to the next level. There's a lot of development that needs to kind of take place. And as there is with every position in the draft, but a lot of projections, uh, you know, based on, on what your kind of flavor is for, you know, what you want in a cornerback. Yeah. Uh, you know, but those are, those are good answers, Ryan. And, and I think a good way to get into this. So if you do have those guys that you look at and you just say, this guy jumps off the page as a guy that's going to be a good NFL cornerback, a guy that's not going to be a liability. Who is that for you in this draft class? Yeah, my my number one corner has got to be Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. And uh, he really popped off last year after transferring from Colorado, where he was his first two years uh, in school, coming out as just a junior this year. But um, not a lot of concerns for me in Christian Gonzalez, just an incredibly fluid player. And I said, it, you know, cornerback is a lot of times a position where it's hard to kind of project. But I think what you see in Gonzalez movement out there, you know, Rudd's a sub 440, which obviously you like. You, you have an ability to play him on the outside, not get fear of him just getting straight up burnt on the outside, but uh, he gets in and out of breaks really well, incredibly fluid in his hip movement. That's a really big time thing you notice in his game, you know, good ability to kind of read it and react and make plays on the football. Uh, did that a lot at Oregon, uh, you know, this past year had four interceptions uh, just this past year alone uh, at Oregon. So I, I really like what you can get out of Gonzalez, just a really just strong, complete player that has the size, has the speed and, um, you know, kind of projects as, as everything you would want in, you know, a top cornerback. Christian Gonzalez is a guy that has gotten a lot of hype um, through, throughout the draft process, obviously. Um, the, guy, the other guy that I've noticed through doing reading that's pretty high on everyone else's board is uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. Could you just illustrate to me kind of the major differences between Gonzalez and Witherspoon? 
Yeah, for sure. And I do think there is a, a good amount of difference and it probably primarily starts with their height and weight again. Gonzalez, a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster uh, in terms of what he can do. But Witherspoon is a, a hard hitter without a doubt. This guy can, uh, you know, I mentioned Gonzalez, uh, maybe a little bit more kind of that corner you get on the outside, good ball skills, tracking ability, force interceptions. Witherspoon is a little bit more of kind of a read and react player. We saw times at him at Illinois where he would be rushing the quarterback coming in on a, a slot blitz or um, you know, playing in off coverage, but recognizing a screen coming in downhill and, and making a big play. I don't think Witherspoon is as good as Gonzalez is uh, when it comes to downfield, tracking the ball, you know, going up, making an athletic play. But I think Witherspoon is a little bit better, you know, kind of as a, as a little bit more physical corner, which is interesting considering the smaller stature of his frame. But um, I, I like Witherspoon, you know, just a, a grid football player. You turn on the tape and, and this guy's got it. Um, but, you know, uh, he was able to do that at the Big Ten level, uh, you know, obviously, as I said, you know, not necessarily going up against the the big SEC uh, receivers uh, or, you know, Gonzalez, of course, is, is at Oregon going up against guys like Jordan Addison. You know, I thought it was a little bit of a down year for for Big Ten. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Illinois put up a strong performance this year against Michigan, you know, uh, obviously a team that made it all the way to the college football playoff semifinal uh you know and i think they had a strong receiving core ronnie bell was probably their um you know top weapon against illinois in, in that game but i like what witherspoon can do and uh, i'm not i i you know i see a little bit of witherspoon you know all the way as high as maybe even the top five uh i i don't necessarily know if i'm as rich as high on witherspoon as that but certainly a player that i'm very comfortable with taking you know more so in in the in the middle part of the first round yeah I think both those players to me were the guys that kind of in doing some reading and seeing some stuff that jumped off the page most to me. Gonzalez, obviously a Pac-12 guy that's that's been pretty good. Witherspoon kind of just translates as like this long-armed, like kind of big cornerback uh, type guy. So who else do you have going in the first round? How many first-round corners do you have in this draft class? Yeah, I, I confidently have five corners at, in the first round. You can probably sneak as much as probably eight or nine, to be honest. It's a really, really deep class. There's a lot of guys that, you know, I have going early in round two that I think certainly have a case to go more towards that back half of the first round. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, NFL teams, they don't have a full 32 players with, you know, draft grades on it. So, uh, you know, somebody, they, they may only have, you know, 20 to 25. So I think sometimes that last part of the first round, you can kind of sneak in and, you know, some guys, maybe a guy like Clark Phillips, you know, when, when a player we talked on earlier could go in the first round. But for me, in terms of my grades, you know, I have Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon. I, I think those guys are pretty much locks to go in the first round. Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State as well. Uh, really a, a player that, you know, I think has outstanding ball tracking skills. You know, you questioned a little bit, only had one career interception in his time at Penn State and uh, had some issues with penalties earlier in his career, you know, helped that out a little bit uh, this past year as a junior. But um, I mean, he has ridiculously long arms, great size, good speed uh just kind of projects well as you know a player you could probably trust as a, as a starting cornerback in the nfl uh cam smith another guy that i think will definitely go in the first round uh stands over six feet tall runs a four four forty. you know checks those boxes uh and has a little bit more ball production during his time at south carolina sec uh you know good competition against you know answer some of those questions um you know he had a kind of a, a good tape game against tennessee this year good receivers in jalen hyatt and cedric tillman 
Tillman and uh, Cedric Tillman beat him for a touchdown in the game, but I thought Smith battled in, in that game as well and had some good plays. So uh, I like those guys and Keely Ringo, as I mentioned, kind of at the top, I think he's one of the more controversial figures in this draft um, because of, uh, you know, kind of a lot of notoriety probably came into this year as uh, that big, you know, top corner uh, entering the draft. And uh, as I said, a lot of mixed opinions on Ringo because he has the the size uh, six foot two, 205, 436. I mean, just ridiculous, uh, you know, measurables that he has. But uh, as I said, had a tendency to get beat a little bit deep downfield, but also battled, you know, SEC uh, had, a, had a really good rep. Uh, I just mentioned Tennessee with Cam Smith, but uh, Cedric Tillman uh, had a, a deep route against Ringo earlier this year. Ringo played a right in phase, had turned around, made a play on the ball, got a big interception for Georgia in, in a big win against Tennessee. Uh, one of the biggest games in the regular season this past year in all of college football. So I think there's enough there with Ringo that that you can take this guy in the first round, but he's a really polarizing figure. I, I think one guy that uh, is kind of struck me with Ringo as a comparison that isn't even at his own position, but it was DK Metcalf. You look back a few years ago, SEC competition has all the size, has all the speed, all the measurables, but it was really kind of like the three cone drill that everybody was like, ah, well, DK Metcalf, can he get in and out of breaks? These are our questions with him, but he checks all these potential boxes and played against good competition, fell to the third round, and obviously now is a superstar with the Seattle Seahawks. I I, could, I don't think Ringo falls to the third round. I really don't. Uh, but I think that there's some similar feelings in terms of the things that we're concerned about with Ringo, I think are all correctable. Uh, and I think he projects as a, a really, really strong player going to the next level. Still a redshirt sophomore. He's really young. He's going to continue to grow. But, um, you know, will he live up to all that hype where he's a number one corner? He's, a, you know, a Jalen Ramsey, a Sauce Gardner. I don't think he's that. But I, I think we got a really good corner prospect in Keely Ringo. So I got five guys overall uh, as my, uh, you know, confident first round corners. I don't love comps. I know some people hate comps. Uh, I I do like, you know, doing comps for positions where they're not as noticeable to the public. I think cornerbacks a good one of those to do. So for those five guys, can you just tell me who their comps are for you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I think uh, I guess I'll take two Christian Gonzalez and Cam Smith. You know, both of them have, have pretty similar measurables. Uh, they kind of are, are similar to uh, each other. So they're kind of that that similar mold of, uh, you know, what you might be looking for. But uh, some guys that are similar to them, I would say like a Kyle Fuller or a Jamel Dean. Uh, you know, they, they have some similar measurables. I think their impact uh, is similar. Kyle Fuller, obviously a, a former first round pick as well. Um, you know, just good starting corners, you know, pretty reliable not then you know they're, they're they're not the elite of the elite but i think both gonzalez and, and cam smith kind of remind me of of that mold with guys like jamel dean or or kyle fuller you know witherspoon is a is a little bit smaller it's a little bit tougher to kind of come up with a with a great comp for for witherspoon in my opinion but um you know i i think that you know he hits really well um and, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a great comp for Witherspoon because uh, he kind of has like a, a little bit smaller frame. So uh, it's hard to kind of find as many guys that that have the same impact. But um, for Ringo and, and Porter, those guys are, are a little bit bigger. Uh, I think for me with Ringo, one guy that maybe kind of stands out is Amani Oruarie from Penn State. You know, he was a, he was a fifth round pick, so I don't want to slight him in that. But he's been a pretty good corner. You know, we just talked about the Lions that, you know, maybe uh, Jeff Okuda hasn't quite hit, you know, the ceiling of what we thought. But I think Oruarie 
Orwari has been a, a pretty good corner for, for some time. And, um, you know, he, he kind of has some similar, you know, body type and, and mold to, to what we have in Ringo. Um, and then Joey Porter jr. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he has the, the crazy arm length. So I think we're getting closer to what we had in, in like a sauce gardener, but it uh, doesn't necessarily have kind of the production tape, um, to what we saw in, in sauce, uh, from last year. But, uh, in terms of the body type, the mold, you know, I, I think that comps are tough because, um, you know, you don't want to slight anyone, uh, in terms of like their impact, but you also want to just kind of match up, you know, like play types and in, in terms of what you could expect out of a corner. So, um, yeah, I, I that's probably as close as I can get you with Risham. Didn't don't really have a, uh, a great one for Witherspoon, honestly, like his, his mock draftable, you know, spider chart, uh, which I always like to look at for, for guys in terms of, you know, getting me like, what is kind of the mold of this guy? None of them really kind of panned out and being great. It's like a Will Redmond who, you know, he was hanging around for a little while, but, um, nothing like spectacular, but, uh, that's why maybe I'm a, a little bit lower in Witherspoon. Like he's got to kind of be that outlier, but, um, I still think he's, he's a pretty damn good, you know, going to be a pretty good player in, in the NFL either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that that is certainly a, some, some good answers there. And, you know, I know that comparisons are sometimes hard to come by uh, for, for the cornerback class. Of those first round guys, let me ask you this. Is there a certain team that's cornerback needy, but maybe just give me like two fits. Like where do you like say your two best guys going? Like, so give me, you know, Witherspoon and Gonzalez, where do you guys, where do you think their best fits would be for the teams that might draft them? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, well, as, as soon as you say fits and, and we're talking about the first round quarters, I mean, Joey Porter Jr. Going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, we know what the Steelers like to do in terms of taking, uh, you know, guys that have previous, you know, family ties to their organizations. So that would kind of be a match made in heaven if, uh, if Porter fell all the way to 17 where the Steelers are at, but in terms of, uh, in terms of Witherspoon and Gonzalez, I think both of them are, are good enough to get that consideration in the top 10. Uh, I think a team like the Atlanta Falcons will, will certainly consider either of them at pick eight, um, you know, in terms of where they're at, you know, Seattle Seahawks at five, I could see them, you know, maybe going after a, a big edge rusher like Tyree Wilson. But if they go corner, I could see more of the Christian Gonzalez mold uh, in terms of what Seattle may be looking to do. Uh, you know, the Chicago Bears, another team with a really young secondary, um, you know, in terms of what they have, it, it would be interesting to see them add, um, you know, maybe like a, a Devon Witherspoon, uh, you know, they, they have got some corners that can hit too uh, in Chicago, got Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, uh, Jaquan Brisker already in that secondary. So um, that would be a really fun fit uh, if that happened. Keep Witherspoon uh, in the state of Illinois, uh, obviously where he went to college. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a handful of teams that'll, you know, consider it, um, you know, that are in that top 10 range. Yeah, the Bears are obviously a team that need defensive help. And, uh, you know, I think that would be an interesting sort of uh, landing spot for Witherspoon as well. I, I liked that one quite a bit i'm running out of questions here ryan i'm not i'm gonna be a little bit honest with you uh but the cornerback class obviously kind of hard to find highlights on let me ask you this who of maybe guys you don't have pegged for the first round is your is your favorite fit for a team that maybe it's you know the chiefs late in the second round or, or late in the first round. And those five guys are off the boards or, or maybe some of your second round guys are gone in the second round. 
but say a contender who needs some defensive help, like maybe the Bills want to get deeper at cornerback, which would not be a bad idea with Trey White's obviously obvious health concerns. Who is a player who's kind of undervalued right now who you think if they got to the right situation on one of these contending teams with a really good defensive coordinator that's known for making uh, defensive players a lot better and getting them in- integrated with the system quickly, who do you think could benefit from that? Yeah, I, I think there's kind of two guys that that kind of stand out as like under the radar. These guys could end up being gems. The first one is Julius Brents uh, out of Kansas State, uh, transferred from Iowa after playing his first couple of years there at kind of a season ending injury as a sophomore, was a little bit slower to come on. Thought he had a pretty good year this past year at K-State, played in the uh, Senior Bowl uh, this year uh, for, you know, his all-star game. But uh, stands six foot three, has the frame, uh, 198, you know, a little bit bigger physical corner corner he won't mind getting up there and pressing you I, I think that kind of strikes me as a player that if he gets on a contender maybe he can kind of slide in as a cb3 um you know doesn't have to start day one but uh can kind of continue to develop I, I like the raw uh you know ability there in in what julius brents can bring they, you know i think last year we had a guy like that in Tariq wolin uh at utsa falls all the way to the fifth round ends up going to seattle you know that's kind of the, the match made in heaven seahawks obviously are known as a team that likes to play heavy zone coverage likes getting these players that are big tall lengthy and have some good speed obviously uh you know he was one of the best rookie corners last year i could maybe see a similar future for julius brents uh in terms of that kind of mold height weight you know some speed uh but maybe needs a little bit of time and, and system to develop and then the other guy for me uh, a little bit underrated actually uh kind of got put on the for this guy by dane brugler threw him on you know at the very end of his board of his top 100 that he just released for the athletic but Corey trice jr from purdue uh you know uh, Usually we don't have a ton of kind of Purdue corners or, or DBs that we like to highlight going into draft season, but Trice has been a kind of a guy I've had on my radar for a couple of years because he stands out because of his frame. He's 6'3", as is Brent's a little bit bigger than Brent's at 206 and runs a four sub 540 at 4.47, uh, you know, has kind of, you know, a lot of those boxes that he's able to check off five interceptions in his career at Purdue, um, you know, probably a day three pick uh, if I'm, if I'm banking on anything right now with Trice, but um, you know, kind of just projects as a guy. It's like, maybe we got something here uh, because of, of what he can offer in terms of his physicality, ability to track the ball um, and, and run with, uh, you know, a handful of different receivers too. Anything else you would like to add on the cornerback class this year? Anything that you think we haven't touched on that you would like to, to bring up here? Yeah, I think just one of the things that, you know, I touched on briefly earlier, but it's just kind of interesting how, to me, how, you know, NFL defenses have obviously evolved to be incorporating more, you know, five defensive back sets, you know, known as nickel uh, in terms of the, you know, terminology in NFL defenses, obviously five defensive backs. Um so we see more slot corners, you know, where are teams valuing slot corners? And, uh, you know, I follow the Philadelphia Eagles most closely and Avante Maddox has kind of been their slot corner, been their rock. And you can see how big of an impact it is when Maddox is out there, missed some time this year with an injury. And, you know, they fill it in with Josiah Scott, uh, you know, kind of one, one of these random day three picks that, you know, yeah, we're, we're kind of talking about here now, but I, I think slot corner has just become a, a really important position. Like you need someone that has some versatility to track motion and understand how to pass off coverage and also be 
able to fill the run when needed. And uh, you need kind of a really unique skill set. And I think this glass has a lot of handful of kind of those creative, smaller kind of chess pieces of how can we manage to use this guy, even if he's a little bit smaller, you know, isn't necessarily as able to contest with, you know, those 50-50 jump balls against, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world. But we can still find a way to use this guy in our defense. And, you know, I mentioned Clark Phillips earlier. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a shot at outside, but maybe has a little bit more of an immediate role at slot. Does that increase his draft value? Would a defensive team be interested in taking Clark Phillips in the first round as a slot corner specifically? Uh, you know, those are all things that that I'm interested in. You know, there's a few other DBs that kind of fit that mold. I think Tyvius Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, you know, ran a really fast 40, has some really good tape, really good ability to, you know, uh, play the ball and, you know, has a, a little bit smaller frame. So you have the questions there in terms of translating to the NFL from the Big 12, but um, really good tape, really fun player there. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if teams are valuing that slot corner higher, you know, I think we're going to see more corners continue to go. And I think that's really the direction that the NFL has been trending lately. Yeah. Very interesting personnel point there that obviously the sets we're seeing change so much every single year. Been a kind of quiet week for NFL news. Anything catch your eye? Uh, nothing, uh, nothing big out of NFL this past week. Just kind of still waiting on, uh, on the quarterback news with Rodgers and Jackson. You know, we'll see how long that kind of waits out for. But um, yeah, that's obviously uh, still big dominoes that we're still waiting on. How do you feel about the NHL playoffs coming up? I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, you know, we're going to get some good series in round one. I know like Toronto and Tampa is uh, uh, a series I've been kind of circled since uh, maybe like November, December at this point. We knew Boston was going to end up winning that division. So that'll obviously be a fun one. You know, you get a team that's made the cup final the last three years in Tampa against Toronto, a team who hasn't made it out of the first round in six years, but, you know, as, as hungry as ever made some defensive ads at the deadline. I think it'll be kind of a, you know, all time gauntlet series we get in round one. So that's probably the one I got most circled on, uh, on my uh on my calendar for stanley cup playoffs but yeah we're getting closer it's a fun time here who do you think has the best goaltending situation right now uh, i mean i mean i if i'm going off of what we've seen this year i think you got to say boston i mean just with uh with how good their their duo has been with their team defense um you know i think that uh that boston probably sets up sets up the best in the cage uh even though you know i probably think guys like igor shishkin and andre vasilevsky and Ilya sorokin all teams in the east probably have the better individual goaltenders but um with what we've seen this year i probably got to give the edge to to the bruins let me throw out a team to, to you here, just a little bit of a sleeper, but I've kind of got my eye on the Kings. The Kings have played some really good hockey in the last few months, and Jonas Corposalo, if you look at his numbers over like the past month, I think he's giving up something crazy like 1.6 goals against average right now over his past like 10 starts. Like uh, I, I really like the Kings – as kind of a Western Conference dark horse. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the Kings too. I think they've built up a lot of their young players, their young prospects, and now they're starting to see some of the benefits. Obviously they made the playoffs last year too. You know, just tough matchup for me looking ahead. You know, if they've got to play a team like Edmonton, you know, I don't know if anyone's stopping what Connor McDavid's putting out right now. I mean, just been insanely dominant uh, his whole career, but I mean, especially this year. So I like the Kings. I think they got a good team, but I, I, I'm picking Edmonton to, to knock them off if they end up playing in the first or second round personally just because i i'm not betting against what Connor mcdavis getting out there right now all right baseball just started anything uh interesting happened today i was kind of out skiing most of the day ah uh, i actually didn't watch a ton today but i think like first weekend big things are like the pitch clock obviously we we, we obviously have seen uh you know a handful of games be impacted by uh you know the pace of play but i think it's been good i think it's healthy for the game overall i think it was a necessary change just you know a couple of the growing pains and adjustment time and then yesterday the the orioles and red sox played a wild game where the orioles dropped a regular fly ball with two outs nobody on in the ninth that would have ended it drop it and then two pitches later adam duvall it's a shot over the monster walks him off that was a a tough one but the red sox offense has been hot to start this year so i don't know how long that'll last i think the al east is a pretty good division but that was kind of a fun series that i had my eye on between the o's and red sox so yeah it's nice to have uh nice to have baseball being played uh here we are in uh in early april final question for me that's a non-football question Obviously, I am a Reds fan and an Angels fan. Those are two hard teams to cheer for as they don't do a lot of winning. Yeah, Who is a team that wouldn't necessarily be super bandwagon, but that I could jump on this year and have some fun and maybe just get like, oh, I'm not as very crazy. Just give me like 80, 90 wins. I got, I got an, I got a good answer for you on this, Eric. I got a, I got an answer I'm confident in, and it's the Texas Rangers. I like the Texas Rangers. They can hit, they can pitch. The, the you know, they've kind of been on the, you know, mend a little bit. They've had some tough years. Signed some good free agents, which you know, I, my team building strategy is to draft and develop your own guys. But the Rangers were like, we're not waiting. We're signing Jacob Degrom. We're going out and splurging last year for Marcus Semien and Kyle Seager to hit at the top of their lineup. They do have some of their own guys, and Josh Jung who was a former first round pick. So he had his first home run uh, for the Rangers tonight. So I think the Texas Rangers are are probably the biggest sleeper in the MLB uh this year so we'll we'll see if it lasts all summer but i like what the texas rangers potential can be all right and with that i think we've dragged this podcast on long enough that it'll be a little bit longer than half an hour which which will be nice sometimes you gotta have a short one though obviously i I think we crammed a lot of information into this one I mean, hey, we'll we'll take it. You know, it's a good corner class. I don't want to. I don't want to slide them too much. You know, safety's a little weaker. Probably just have uh, you know, a, a couple guys at safety that that we like. Brian Branch, probably the only guy from Alabama that really makes a big splash. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun to be in draft season and, and talking about these guys, and uh, should be uh, should be uh, extra exciting as we get closer to uh, to Kansas City to the draft. Absolutely. Well, it feels like the next one we should do is quarterbacks. We should just kind of get that one out of the way. Uh, Next week, we're going to do the wheel of teams. Uh, But if no big NFL news drops, maybe you'll be around next Sunday, question mark? You'll be able to do that. Okay, cool. Well, we'll talk quarterbacks next Sunday. All right. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Give us a follow on Twitter at EndZonePod. Thanks again. Have a great week.